Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. We're going to continue our stuck series today. Hopefully, you all are stuck on the Word of God. If you are, this is how your life looks. You're stuck. You're in place. You're where you need to be. Stuck to the Word of God. People always say, what are you going to do special on the birthday? Well, we use Velcro today. Velcro is a good thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but the title of the Bible study this morning is Velcro, uh, Don't Rip It Off. We're going to talk about how important it is to make sure that we are connected as we need to be. Now, this is uh, the next installment of our Stuck series. And along the way, we've been reminding you that the key to understanding what it means to be stuck to God is that Jesus doesn't want more from you. He wants more of you. And when he has more of you, then he gets more from you. And so this morning, we go again to John chapter 15. We talk about Velcro today. And we are reminded as we look at this particular passage how important it is uh, to understand this idea of being stuck. It says this, I am the true vine, my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Velcro is an amazing thing. Somewhere years ago, in the evolution of time and as time passed, there were great inventions. One was the wheel. I wonder sometimes after the wheel was invented, if there wasn't some naysayer out there that said, you know what, this wheel is just a thing of the past. It's not going to last. I would rather just drag my heavy load behind myself with rope instead of using a wheel to make it easier. See, Velcro comes along, and Velcro begs the same kind of question. I mean, why would you ever tie anything again if you can use Velcro? Velcro revolutionized the space program because all of a sudden things don't fly around in space anymore. There's somewhere you can stick it to, and it works out awesome. And Velcro stepped into the public spotlight in a brand new way a few years ago on late night television. Some of you might remember this moment from the late night show with David Letterman. Take a look at the screen. Now this wall is again covered with uh, the, the other half of the Velcro, right? <laughs> All right. Now, uh, have you ever done anything like this? I haven't, no. Okay, maybe a drum roll. Now theoretically, I'll... I'll hit the wall and stay there, right? Yes, theoretically. Okay. <laughs> go high. As high as I can go. Okay, okay. Can you... I can't, uh... I can't, uh... Nothing like it. Velcro, great fun. Uh, Velcro has unlimited possibilities. One of them is, could you imagine what it would be like to play Velcro football? 
to be able to make one-handed grabs and not have to worry about ever dropping the ball just because it hits the glove. We're going to try that theory this morning, and we're going to see if it works. Richard, you going to help me? <laughs> this went so badly at 9. You know, we've been here celebrating our eighth year of ministry. We try this at 9 o'clock. I give the ball to Richard. He promptly tries to break a chandelier with it. It was a horrible, horrible, terrifying experience for this entire section over here. And so come on up. You can do it again. Throw it. Take that out of my hand, will you? Go ahead. And by the way, pick someone out that you think um, has outstanding integrity, athletic prowess. Somebody over here. I, I don't know. Is, you know. These two sections here, that's your limitation. Scott, are you going to help me over here? Maybe. Hold on. I need you to do the same thing. I need you to pick out somebody that uh, has that kind of skill set. And come on up. If you get the ball, come on up. Go ahead. Did you pick anybody out yet? Oh, thanks for volunteering, Ashton. You go ahead and uh, go ahead and glove up, will you? All right. What? Here you go. Hold on. Give me this. You need this. All right. Glove up. I put glove on. The way this game works is simply this. Scott and Rich are going to throw the football at you guys. And what you have to do is make a one-handed catch. And so the way it works is this. And I say go. It's race. No betting, by the way. There's no wagering. Just, just no wagering. Um, when the game starts, I say go. You go down to the first tape mark on the floor. They'll throw the pass. They'll catch it. Then run it back. As you run it back, then you go back to the second mark and then the third mark. And as soon as you get back from that third mark, first one back wins the prize. Okay? We got that? You, are you done coaching over here? It's only an hour of service. You good? You ready? Yeah, everybody good? You good? Good. Yeah, no, I got it. Okay, we're good. All right, ready? All right, now root for the people coming out of your section. This is really important. On your mark, get set, go. One hand, good. Bring it back. Oh, no, you have to bring it back. You back? Nicely done. All right. I think, I think, Beatrice, good job. Ashton, I think you made it back first. As a winner, you get to keep the glove. Beatrice, as runner-up, you get to keep the glove. You can take that home with you. Get it. Is that Gator? It's yours. Yeah. And if you're a Gator fan, it's even better because it's the right colors. I don't know why you want to be, but hey, if you are, so be it. Now, thank you all very much for participating. Here's, thanks. The, uh, the, <laughs> the point is this. In your life, you can think of God as giving you the opportunity to Velcro to him. Here's what I mean. A Velcro really consists of two things. There is a, a loop, if you will, and then a hook or a needle, if you will. God gives us the opportunity as those hooks to connect to him. 
He is always willing and waiting. He is that loop that we can always find to connect to. And if we will do so, we will find that we have a place to attach. Somewhere we can hold on to. However, in the hook and loop industry, you can go to any hardware store and you can buy hook and loop. And we will walk in the store and we'll say, well, I want something Velcro. That's very much like having a copy made and saying I had it made on a Xerox machine. It may or may not be a Xerox machine. The Velcro people want you to know that they are the first. They are the best. A two-inch square piece of Velcro, high-end Velcro, is strong enough to hold the weight of a 175-pound man. The Velcro brand is the brand. Now, there are other imitations out there. Our culture is always looking to connect to something. And sadly, our culture will often connect itself to what is an imitation of the real thing. And we live in a world where people are always trying to connect to something. Because they need that support. They need to know that they're somewhere that they belong. And the invitation of God is to connect to him. In other words, Velcro is a great illustration of how God invites us to connect to him in powerful, powerful ways. And that can make all the difference in the world. And that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. The importance of learning to make sure uh, that we connect. A bear walks into a restaurant. Sits down. Waiter comes over to take his order. The bear says, I want grilled. Cheese. The waiter looks back at the bear and says, what's with the paws? And the bear says, what do you want? I'm a bear. (laughs) We'll let it build. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. We'll savor the moment. (laughs) But at the end of the day, It's so essential and so important that we make sure that we get the right words and we understand what's happening and understand what's being said. Now, for those of you who are Gator fans, let me explain what I just told you. Pause was that gap before I ordered the cheese. And then pause are what bears have. And so, therefore, for you Gator fans have trouble keeping up, that's what that's about. Um, You Knowles already knew that. I got that. Anyway, the, um, the reason that the word becomes important is because we go back to what we know about this passage of Scripture. Jesus is saying this on the night before he dies. He could say anything he wanted to his closest friends. And yet, if you go back and look, in the verses that we just read, eight times in those eight verses, he uses a Greek word, meno, which means abide, or translated remain. Eight times. If you were to read a few verses further down to the 15th verse, it will have shown up 11 different times. And so here's the conversation that Jesus is having before he leaves with his closest friends. He knows the death that's waiting for him. He knows what it's going to look like. He knows how bad it's going to be. And what he keeps repeating over and over again to them is, you need to remain in me. You abide in me. You Velcro yourself to me. 
you connect yourself to me. You stay connected to me, and I will stay connected to you. It is that promise where he says, if you connect, if you choose uh, to put your hook on me, I will not let you go. I will not fail. I am strong enough to hold you. You have to connect to me. He could have told them anything. He could have sat around and said how much he loved them. He could have sat around and, and, and talked about, you know, hey, I, I, I just... You know, let's make the plans for what's going to happen in the days ahead. None of that. That conversations had all happened before, but now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, and he says, you remain in me. You abide in me. You know the reason that he did that is because he knew over the next 48 hours they would scatter. He knew over the next 48 hours that they would be fearful of their very lives. He knew over the next 48 hours that they were going to have some moments of doubt. They weren't going to understand all that was taking place. He knew what was waiting for them. And so what he kept wanting to repeat to them over and over again was this message. You stay connected to me. Stay connected. Stay connected. Don't connect to the wrong thing. Connect to the right thing. Don't connect anywhere. Connect. No matter what happens. No matter how discouraged you become, no matter how disappointed you might be, no matter how frustrated you might be, no matter how tired you feel, no, however, no matter how overwhelmed you feel, no matter what trouble you get into, no matter how confusing or scary, you stay connected to me. If you're going to boil down all the things that Jesus wanted to happen, he wanted to make sure that this was the message that they took away from that evening. And so for us as followers, for anybody in the room who's made the decision to believe and trust and follow Jesus, this then becomes essential for you to understand. It implies, and it's true, you have a choice. You can choose to live life disconnected. And if you do, you are hurting yourself, but you're also robbing yourself of the life that Jesus has created you for. Two things I want to remind you of. I'm not covering any new territory today, but two things that really do by serve, serve as way, by way of review. The first one is simply this. You need to learn to get stuck. You need to learn to get stuck. Jesus says, stay connected to me. There is a story of a man who comes out of the Appalachian village, remote village, goes to the big city, if you will, for the very first time. He's amazed at all he sees. There's so much to take in, so much to see. But at night, he's absolutely stunned by what it looks like when the town lights up. Now, he doesn't have a lot of means. He's not a wealthy person at all. So as he gets ready to make his trip back to the village, what he does is he buys a whole bunch of light bulbs, sockets, and switches because he wants to share with the place that he comes from what this looks like. So he comes back, and he puts all the lights up, and he even shares them with his neighbors, and they set it up. And his neighbors are wondering, what are you doing? What is this going to be like? What, what, what is this for? And he goes, you know, you're going to love this. He goes, right now it doesn't look that good, but tonight... When I throw the switch, it's going to be amazing. Nighttime comes, he goes over and he throws the switch, and what happens? Nothing. And the reason nothing happens is because while he has the lights and he has the bulbs and he has the sockets and he has the switches, what he doesn't have is a source of power. Nothing to connect it to. And so they stayed in darkness, looking at the pretty things that he put up. And that's exactly what happens to us in our lives if we're not careful. Because we forget that Jesus reminds us, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You want power in your life. You want strength in your life. You want that source of energy. You want that source of help. You want that source of hope. You want that source of comfort. You find that and you find that in me. So you stay connected in me and I'll make sure that you have that. But a lot of people in the world, they, they, they will settle for cheap imitations and when they go and they try to tap and throw that power switch, they find out there's nothing there. And they end up disillusioned, and upset, discouraged, all those things that none of us want to be, we find ourselves struggling with. And if you chase it down and track it down, the problem more often than not is simply an issue of connection. Are you as connected as you need to be to Jesus? You see, most people, when they come to know Jesus, the immediate reaction is, well, you know, I, I've come to know Jesus because I, I don't want to go to hell. And, and hear, hear me care, carefully. When you come to know Jesus, you guarantee you're not going to go to hell. He died so you could have eternal life. But if you go back and read Scripture, Jesus also makes another statement that's just as important. I came so they might have life and have life abundant. And so for us, the focus is always, well, when I die, I want to make sure I don't go to hell because no one wants to do that. So we get, get heaven locked up. But what we do is we inadvertently rob ourselves of the joy of the abundant life part that Jesus said, I've come to give them abundant life. You translate that, that word translates as a word in words. It's called Zoe, Z-O-E. And the meaning of that word is simply this, the God-breathed life. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have come to give them a life. It is a very life that God has breathed into them. There's other words for that. That's not the one that Jesus chose. He chose Zoe. It has one meaning, the God-breathed life. In other words, he came because there is a life that God has just for you that's available to you. He wants you in heaven. There is no doubt about it. He paid a high price to get you there. But he also wants you, after you have that locked down, to start experiencing this abundant life. And that doesn't happen unless you're willing to make the choice to connect to him and connect and lock your life to him so that you can grow and become and draw all of those things that he wants to give to you. We have to learn the importance of getting stuck. And sometimes we are so worried about doing things wrong that we don't do anything right. And I want to give you a piece of advice. It may not sound spiritual when you hear it, but it's wildly spiritual. And it's simply this. Don't be careful. Be competent. Don't be careful. Be competent. See, competence is not doing something right, is doing something so often that it can't go wrong. Competency. You keep connecting to him over and over again. The challenge at the end of every worship service has been, what are you going to do this week to connect and stay closer to God? And if you do that every day, and you keep making that choice day after day after day, Believe it or not, there's a spiritual competency that happens in your life. And all of a sudden, you're doing it and you're discovering that it not only works, but it makes your life better and you're doing it on a consistent basis because you make the decision to stick to Jesus. Verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you remain in me and I in you. You'll bear much fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, 
showing yourselves to be my disciples. So often, some of the simplest solutions provide some of the most memorable results. And I wonder sometimes in our life how much of life could be different or better if we had just taken the time to stay connected to Jesus like we were created to do. Now I get it. We all make mistakes. No doubt about it. We all make mistakes. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's the one thing we're really good at. Most of us are pretty good at screwing things up. And left on our own, we'll screw it up time and time and time again. But we get so consumed with the way that we want things to be and we allow our feelings to rule our life. Yet when Scripture clearly says that the heart can't be trusted. But it doesn't matter to us because that's not how we feel. And sometimes we, 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 we make bad assumptions, we make wrong decisions, and we let our lives get impacted by what others are doing around us. And because they're not doing what they ought to do, then we just decide we can't do what we're going to do instead of taking seriously what God says. And you just connect to Him and then let Him worry about the rest of it. And as a result, we're settling for less time and time and time again simply because the connection is messed up. And so for you and I, the choice is still always the same thing that we've been talking about week after week after week. You have to choose to stick with God. Stick yourselves to God. The second thing I want you to see is simply this. Don't rip off the tag. Um, Verse 5b, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. I want to talk about something that's pretty serious. I know we have law enforcement in the house this morning, so I want to be really careful when I see this because you know, they're very well aware of this. But um, you ever looked on your mattress? There's a tag on that mattress. It says, do not remove under penalty of law. You ever look at that thing and wonder what that is? You wonder what happens if you do? See, most of you have never torn it off because you're law-abiding citizens. But some of you, oh, you risk-takers, you. You know what happens you tear that tag off. See, because every night, as soon as it gets dark, there's a group of people that roam the Central Florida area. Yes, the mattress tag enforcers. You tear that thing off, it sends out a signal. They come into your house. They raid your home. They will pull you out of bed by your feet, take you out into the backyard, beat you repeatedly with the pillow from the My Pillow guy. <laughs> Leave you in the yard for dead. And they will throw that rip tag off and throw it on you where it lands on your chest. Say, next time, don't rip off the tag. That's the world we live in. You've got to pay attention to the rules. You ever have something that says, if you open it, tamper with it, the warranty is void? Everything in my house is void. Because at some point, you know, I'll tear into everything, especially when it doesn't work the first time, or you mess it up doing something. I mean, there's something about we, we, we don't pay attention to the warning labels. We don't pay attention to what we ought to be paying attention to. And we are do-it-yourselfers, right? So we're always wanting to fix What's wrong with us? So we better. I can just fix me, I'll be okay. Some of you may have noticed in that video, the most amazing things happened over the last eight years. I think I put on 25 pounds. My shirts just keep getting bigger so you can't see it, but hair lengths change, weight changes, and, and 
And you know, so as a result of that, I'm very inspired right now. I'm, I'm doing crunches now twice a day. In the morning, it's Captain Crunch. At night, it's Nestle's Crunch. But I'm crunching, baby. And I'm trying to get in shape. I'm trying to, trying to make myself better. I, I, want, I want to stay in shape. Because for us, connection and getting it right and working it where it happens is so hard to do in the world we live in today. I had a dad that told me not so long ago that it was um, time for dinner. So he texted his son in the same house. Come downstairs, it's time for dinner. The son texted back. What are we having? They're in the same house. Brooke's sitting over there. She's been in our house. I've texted her before. Brooke, can you bring me some ice cream? <laughs> because the effort of getting out of my chair, going to the refrigerator, getting my own ice cream, means I'm going to miss the show that I'm streaming. And this limited commercials. I don't have time for that. But I need the ice cream. I could have asked her for it. But she, I knew she was in the other room. I was trusting on the fact, if you were here last week, that she knows I would arrow her. So part of the payback of that is she'll bring me ice cream. Any of you, I don't know if some of you in the room were Girl Scouts. You remember back in the day when the Girl Scouts used to knock on your doors and say, could you buy my cookies? Or they'd be sitting outside like your local supermarket at a table. You know, you'd come out and they would be harassing you and throwing their hats and beanies at you or whatever they did, you know, to get you to buy cookies. Now, I don't have to do that. They have to have their own websites. They don't even have to come to your door anymore to ask you to buy cookies. Just go to my website, order cookies. They deliver them to you. I mean, it's very you know, clean. There's no contact. It's like no contact delivery. That's the way we connect these days. It's easier to talk to people a long way away because of the use of cell phones, but rarely do we talk to our neighbors. And if you have a crazy neighbor, I understand that. We do everything in a very disconnected way. We've lost that human element. We've lost that ability uh, to go back and forth. And because of that, we find ourselves always on the run, always on the move, always doing something, but never slowing down long enough to make sure that we've done the one thing that we're supposed to do, and that's make that connection to God. And so while on one hand we're worried about connection. And on the other hand, with God, we act like it's not important. I know somebody that was sharing recently, um, before they get up in the morning, they go online. Before they get their first cup of coffee. Or they get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom about 2 a.m. But before they go back to bed, they check their email. I got news for you. If anybody's emailing you at 2 a.m., you don't need to answer that email before 8. But yet, that's what we do. That's who we are. So this guy, his name is Edwin, I heard him tell his story in North Carolina. He bought a vehicle. The vehicle was fancy enough to have one of those little voice-activated warning systems inside. So if he got in and he forgot to, bu- to buckle his seatbelt, the voice would go, you forgot to buckle your seatbelt. And he appreciated that. Because it was nice to have that reminder. He got used to hearing the little voice talking to him. He started calling her the little woman. One day as he was driving, the little woman said to him, your fuel level is low. But he looked down and he thought to himself, I must have at least 50 miles before I run out of fuel. 
no biggie. But five miles later, your fuel level is low. He thanked her, but knew he still had a longer way to go. Five miles later, your fuel level is low. He didn't thank her this time. Matter of fact, he noticed that there was an edge to her voice <laughs> that he hadn't heard before. But he still knew he had more miles to go. Five miles later, your fuel level is low. <laughs> this time, he huffed at her because now he's ticked off. And he said, you know, that voice is starting to annoy me just a little bit. But he still knew he had further he could go. In his mind, he had at least 15 more miles. Five miles later, his car began to sputter, stopped, and died on the side of the road. Bing! You're out of fuel. <laughs> and he snapped. By his own admission, he snapped. He immediately began to proceed working under his dashboard after he had called for someone to bring him gas, and he worked to find that little module so he could rip that voice out of his car so he never had to hear it again. And he said, as I ripped it off, I heard it. I promise I did. It was laughing at me. Because <laughs> in our lives... We're like Edwin sometimes because we hear this little voice. We know that there's a voice that keeps telling us what it is that we're supposed to do. But yet everything about our nature tells us we know better. Right? We know better. And yet we forget that the creator of the universe, when he could have told us anything, anything, thought it was so important before he died, to make sure that we understood how important it would be to connect to him. Not just once, not just twice, not three times, but over and over and over again. And the reason that he did it is because he knew that we're prone not to do it. See, he knew us. He knew that with all the things that he was going to do, all the things he was going to offer us, all the blessings that we were going to have, all of the gifts that he was going to give to us, the freedom that we were going to discover and what he was about to do, he knew that because of our nature, what was going to happen to us is we were just going to take that for granted and lose the important thing, connecting to him. And so today, as we celebrate a birthday, you know, and I can look back, and, and, I, and I, I, I don't look backwards a lot. That's not my nature. But as I look backward over the history of people I've known along the way, I can tell you time and time and time again, from a ministry's perspective, that the first step in the downfall of most of the things that will come along in life happen when we disconnect from God. As individuals. And then we let that become just like a snowball rolling down a hill. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gobbles up the things around us. And it, and it impacts the people around us. And we blame the people around us. And we're angry and we're uptight and we're bitter. And all of that uh, comes crashing down. But if you go back to the very beginning, what really started it was it was a decision that you made. And it probably wasn't even a conscious decision. It probably was like a low-key decision. And you didn't really give it that much thought, which was a problem. You didn't give it any thought. And the decision was, eh, I'm going to disconnect from God. And as soon as that happens, 
then you've set yourself up for those moments where all of a sudden you're going to be more susceptible and prone to all the stuff and the junk that can happen because we choose not to connect. And God set it up in such a way where he gives us an opportunity to connect to him but also connect to one another and together we become uh, this very tight, succinct unit that can accomplish anything and he gifts us and he gives us the abilities to take those gifts and intertwine them so that we can impact and touch and change the world. That's the way that he sets it up. If you choose to participate. And so the choice always comes back to us. Are we connected? Are we willing to be stuck? Someone told me uh, and sent me the words to it. Uh, Lionel Richie, of course, released a song a few years ago. Some of you remember it, Stuck on You. I remembered it after we started the series. And the words are stuck on you. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. And it goes on to say, the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you to the end. And then he comes back and he says, mighty glad you stayed. Here's something you need to know. Jesus has never left you. He's always been there. He allows you to hook your life to him. He invites you to hook your life to him. Because he knows that the minute that you do that, you have made the best choice and you've made the one choice that will sustain you and carry you to each and every day. And nothing can get in the way of that. That's why it was so important to him. That's why he said it. It's the reason we're talking about it. The reason we're looking at it because the days that you have in front of you are so much brighter than the days that are behind you. You say, well, you know, I don't feel that way. Yeah, again, doesn't matter how you feel. Matters what God says. And with each day, he gives us new mercies, never before experienced by you. New blessings. Brand new opportunities to do something with. God doesn't put his focus on what's been. He died to forgive that so that you could move forward and live the life that you were created to live. That's the journey that he's called you to. That's what happens when you are stuck on Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we always are finding ourselves in those moments where we don't know exactly what it is that we should do in the world around us. Uh, It gets overwhelming sometimes. It gets confusing. We find ourselves struggling and grappling sometimes with trying to get a handle on all that's going on. We can't figure it out, but yet we know that you can. So we have to choose. Are we going to figure it out and do it ourselves? Are we going to stick ourselves to you? Choose to go to that place that you've told us to go, that we can connect with you, that we can abide with you, and we can discover what it is that you have in store for us. We can discover the answers that we need. And when the answers don't seem to come like we want them to, we can trust that you know the answers and you know enough to get us through whatever situation it is. There's some who 
will hear this and maybe they've never made the decision to believe and trust and follow Jesus. And if they haven't, then today's a great day to do that. Before they leave this place this morning by giving us a worship flyer that says, I want to accept Jesus, putting it in the giving kiosk, they can make that decision. They're watching online right now, live or even later on. They can, they can email us and they can just simply say, this is a decision I made. What happens now? And that would give us a chance to send them some things that would really help and encourage them and let them know what needs to happen next, how to live a life where they're stuck to you. But then also, no matter where they are in the world, we'll do our best to find them a place to connect and stick their lives to where they can connect to the people of God and grow. And Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity we get to do that time and time again. It's an amazing, beautiful cycle that happens. But Lord, in this moment, in this here and this now, our prayer on this day is that for each one of us that we would be stuck completely and totally on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.